Hello, MCs. Welcome to another episode of Ooh, Those FNC Words. I've been having a lot of great conversations this week in preparation for these, for these episodes. And something that I've learned is that I really like the banter that happens when I interview people <laughs> versus when I'm just sitting here recording alone. I have a cousin that's been podcasting for years. And I remember one thing he told me years ago when I was still on the fence about starting a podcast, he told me then, don't do it alone. (laughs) Well, Joey, you were right. I definitely enjoy the episodes more when I get to Kiki, you know, with a co-host. So I'm looking forward to some upcoming episodes on my show schedule because I will have more of the coaching sessions. And then I also have some friends joining me. So I'm really looking forward to that, to introducing you to my friends, to the entrepreneurs in my circle, to my friends' personal stories that are related to change and confidence and conflict, and yeah, to those panel discussions. So stay tuned for that. But I've got a great show for you today. As we ride the high of the job market still being as strong as it is, and companies are still creating jobs, and we are still making career pivots, and the recession is still looming, but is not here. (laughs) I've got an expert today with more than 30 years of experience in human resources. He's a VP within his organization, a founding member of the Society of Human Resource Management's Executive Network. And he's also a Forbes HR Council executive. And while I can't sing his praises enough, as I always do with my guests, I'm going to have him introduce himself, all right, when we start that interview. Remember, I do this because I like to provide you all with glimpses into the way that, you know, people introduce themselves, the variety of ways that you can introduce yourself, introduce your experience. So as you get comfortable with doing that yourselves, you get these, you know, these examples of how other people introduce themselves. So for today's conversation on current best practices in job hunting, we are going to jump right into my conversation with Mr. Tony Butler Sims. Here's our conversation. It's Marcia Cork. You know, I talk about having the confidence to rebrand and get visible on social media. Well, it's time for me to practice what I preach. Do me a favor before you start the show, open Instagram and TikTok and follow me right now at It's Marcia Cork. You'll get additional tips you won't hear on the podcast, including a semi-weekly series I call You're Doing It Wrong. So follow me right now and meet me back here and let's start the show. Thanks, Marcia, so much for having me on this morning. Uh, my name is Tony Butler Sims. I am the vice president, currently the vice president of uh, People and Culture with Cultivating New Frontiers in Agriculture. It is a nonprofit international development organization uh, who actually has work globally. We do no work here in the United States. The majority of all of our work is in developing nations, primarily sub-Saharan uh, Africa. Uh, 
this is now my 32nd year uh, in human resources. Uh, so I'm dating myself a bit, uh, but uh, I think that I have a little bit of uh, knowledge and expertise on both the nonprofit sector uh, as well as the private sector side, so. Absolutely, wow, 32 years. Yes. All the credentials today, all the credentials. <laughs> And that's why I couldn't think of a better person to have this conversation with, because I know, and even personality-wise, personality, personality wise, you are going to give us the information that we need, but in a way that's realistic, to have people setting realistic goals and expectations and candor. And that's what I appreci appreciate you about you, about your skill set, and about your personality. So thank you for joining us. I also want you to mention, because I, I know that you do some works with uh, work with um, SHRM and with the Forbes Council. So tell us a little bit about that experience as well. well I'm one of the founding members of the SHRM Executive Network. Um, I was inducted uh, late uh, last year, uh, and I'm very active with that group as well, uh, as well as the D.C. chapter of the Society of Human Resources Management as well. And I'm also a member of the Forbes Human Resources Council. Uh, the Forbes HR Council uh, is an invite-only uh, group of, mm -hmm. uh, of HR executives around uh, the globe uh, from every sector. Uh, so I'm very active in both of those uh, organizations. I have been published multiple times in uh, Forbes with some topics that are related to HR management overall. Uh, but over the last couple of years, primarily re revolving around uh, remote work uh, and how that's affecting the great resignation and the climate in today's uh, workforce. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. And that's precisely what we want to talk about today. The great reshuffle, the great resignation, what that looks like for people who are trying to make a career pivot. And initially, when we um, planned this discussion, I was telling you I wanted to focus on the people making that, that pivot, actually taking some skills and transferring them to another area. But I do want to also focus on the freelancers, the contractors who've been you know, consulting for years, but are now perhaps considering Move it into the workforce, workforce full time themselves. Okay, so let's think, let's talk through both of those lenses. I've been having a lot of conversations with freelancers and consultants in the past week and a half, so I think this is going to be just as beneficial for them as well. Yeah, okay? I really think that from my aspect, the world that we work in uh, in international development overall have not seen that grave of a hit with the great resignation because okay. we have what we call, you talk about transferable skills, but we have transferable skill sets. And that means that we're competing for the same type of talent. And the organization that I work for, we actually have a subset of that. So we're agriculture related only. So think agribusiness, agroeconomy, things of that aspect, which is a very, very small uh, segment of the talent pool. So we are struggling uh, with the aspect of losing those talent to organizations that are seeking the same type of skill set and or develop that same uh, type of skill set. So it gets back to the, the point or the purpose of when you think agriculture, you think farming, and a lot of individuals, especially people of color, want to move outside of that, that sector, mm -hmm. uh, if you will. Uh, so those are the challenges, uh, if you will, that, that mm -hmm. we have. But we also look at how folks that are 
on the consulting side of the house have always been freelancers, if, if you will, but also have been individuals that have set their own structure, set their own yes. pace uh, yes. for, for themselves. And it's all been driven by um, a statement of work or deliverable. Uh, and when you have to shift that mindset to come into an organization and work for a company versus working for yourself, mm -hmm. Therein lies sometimes the challenges for individuals in that space because they're, they have to shift that mindset. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what I'm finding is people have mm -hmm. been freelancing and consulting for years, wanting to be self-employed, wanting that flexibility, wanting autonomy, but saw <laughs> such an increase in how much yeah. they could make, you know, during uh -huh. this time. Absolutely. Yeah, these rates skyrocketed. What they could make with a salary skyrocketed. And on top of that, they were able to still do it from home. Mm -hmm. So they did still have some flexibility. They were getting these perks of this additional paid time off, sometimes unlimited time off. So yeah. it was very appealing. It was finally a climate that <laughs> that self-employed people could actually, you know, tr transition into and get the benefits of both worlds, really, having that flexibility, that autonomy, you know, but being remote and making some really good money for that time. So I know that that has been a, the appeal across the board for both the career pivot, the, you know, the professional pivot, that pandemic pivot, mm -hmm. but also for consultants and contractors moving into FTE. Yes, let's, let's be realistic. Uh, coronavirus, uh, the pandemic over the past two plus years have actually turned the uh, employment workforce or the talent pool upside down. I mean, upside down. look at it from a different lens, and that lens would be the housing market. It, it did the same, uh, yes. which means that it ended up being a seller's market and a buyer's market at the same damn time. Same time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's real let's be realistic when it comes to employment. It's the exact same thing that occurred. So you had individuals who uh, wanted to be independently consultants years prior to the yeah. pandemic, and those individuals now see that I can still have that autonomy, mm -hmm. but I can work for an organization which also offers me benefits. So yes. from your retirement plan into your health care to all of these mm -hmm. health and welfare benefits that a self-employed individual typically doesn't have built into their structure. Right. Uh, so that is one of the things that I think the uh, pandemic has taught us. It has taught us that the work can be done anywhere yeah. uh, from any location and that primarily folks are more productive when they're able to take a five minute commute from their bedroom to their office versus an hour and a half commute here in the Washington DC metro area to go 20 plus miles. So- Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well then let's talk about how to do it right and what people are doing wrong. Okay, yeah. let's talk about some interview tips. Let's debunk some myths. Let's get people better, better prepared to sell themselves and make that transition effectively. All right, so let's start with navigating the job description because that's important. I mean, first of all, you gotta be seen. You gotta, you said there's a transferable skill set that there are still qualifications that people are looking for. And if you haven't been in that environment, like you said, in, in your environment, 
very specialized experience. So yes, you may have some transferable skills, but when you're looking for a complete set, a complete package, how do you navigate that if you're coming from a different industry? I think what you have to first look at is this. Um, I think you have to first find out what it is that you actually want to do. Uh, because if your passion isn't there for the role that you are applying for, it's going to come across. Um, I, I think one of the mistakes that we've made in the past uh, for a lot of individuals have been them applying to every job that, that they see, that they yeah. think they have interest in. Yeah. If the job in and of itself doesn't suit you as an individual, uh, it's not going to it's not going to be a, a great fit. It's not going to be ideal. And what I mean by that is this: we have so much information at our fingertips uh, right now. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can you know review the organization as a whole <clears throat> by going to Glassdoor or things of that aspect and looking at what either current employees are saying about this employer or uh, past employees have said about that employer. The same thing uh, relates to uh, the executive team of the organization. Uh, you can review their LinkedIn profiles and things of that aspect to really get an understanding of the culture uh, of that particular place uh, mm -hmm. that you are thinking about uh, being uh, employed with. The last thing that I would say uh, is bring your whole true authentic self uh, to every uh, meeting, every interview, every uh, discussion that you're having re regarding uh, what your career path wants to be. Okay. Not so much as where you want to be in five to 10 years, but where, where's the now? Right now. What are you yeah. looking for right now? What is going to work for you? Because it's a two-way street. If it doesn't work for you, it isn't going to work for the organization uh, either. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's perfect. I've been talking about my It's Me approach. Um, <laughs> introduced it on, uh, I guess, a couple of episodes ago. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the next couple of weeks in a part one and part two series. But that It's Me approach uh, has people get comfortable developing their ele elevator pitch and selling themselves in an <laughs> overall introduction. But then also talking about that brand story, you know, re really establishing their pr pr professional brand. And when do you start having those conversations? So the LinkedIn profile, you start putting yourself, your brand, your desires, talk about your past mm -hmm. and what about that past brought you to your present. Yes. So in the conversation that we're having around making that professional pivot, making that career pivot, there should be something, at least in your past, that's brought you to why you're approaching this organization today, Yes. right? Or if it's not the organization's mission overall, the work that you would be doing, at least within a department, within that role, within that capacity, that still supports the organization's mission. Mm -hmm. So there's a way for you to tell that story in your brand story, yes. okay? So again, talking about that past, some truth, some trauma, testimony from your past, that really sets the tone and drives your decisions today, the work that you're doing today. And then maybe, you know, then you can go on and say what you plan to do or how you 
plan to support the organization's mission in the next one to three years. But it really should be optimizing the work that you do today, the skills that you have today, and how you can support that organization. LinkedIn is a great place to do that. Are you finding that people are starting there or is that, are they reaching out to you too late in the process and now their LinkedIn profile doesn't really support the resume or the work they wanna to do today? Well, I, I think that it's twofold. Uh, first, uh, they may be starting uh, from a space of not knowing where to go. Uh, and what I mean by that is you look at social media overall and I think that when you're building your brand, uh, you need to also have a professional page or pages. Uh, and <clears throat> you should not, and I think what we do ourselves a disservice is when we link our personal social media pages to our professional uh, social media pages. Because what employers are doing now is they're looking for a cultural fit for their specific organization. Uh, and although we should not uh, be viewing it in, in that lens, uh, the majority of the time uh, we are. Uh, yeah. We look at whether or not this person will be a, a cultural fit for this specific team. Now, uh, specific teams within organizations can be siloed. Uh, but when you come to the nature of trying to really figure out whether that person is going to be a great fit for that team or a great fit for the organization as a whole, you look at the entire package. Yeah. Uh, so I think we do ourselves a disservice when we link our personal pages to our professional pages because that would potentially put you at a disadvantage. And I don't think most people realize <laughs> search engines do that for you. Yes. You know, when people search your name, your Twitter accounts, your Instagram uh -huh. accounts, your Facebook accounts, all of those things show up. Now, thankfully, LinkedIn typically shows up first. Yes. So when people search because your name- Because they say Google will show up first, that's why. <laughs> and, and see, and that makes perfect sense. But at least you are shining a bit by starting with your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Where you run into trouble is that the others follow right behind. So when you're active, the more, in fact, the more active you are on link, on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, all of those accounts, the more active you are, they're guaranteed to show up right behind your LinkedIn profile. Correct. So Correct. if you are actively job hunting, it's probably a good idea to take a pause mm -hmm. from social media, the the social social media, That's and focused on, focus on LinkedIn and use really optimize LinkedIn. And a lot of people aren't doing that, myself included. I only started back probably within the last year and a half. And to stay on brand, even on LinkedIn, with what you post, you have to be careful even with what you like, because that activity right. shows up in LinkedIn as well. Yeah. So those are the conversations that we could be having about making that professional pivot and, and really establishing your brand, how to do that on LinkedIn. Yeah. So uh, are you finding that people are using that effectively? Is there more that you would like to see? by the time people reach out to you so that their resumes their um, and their LinkedIn profiles are in alignment? I really think that uh, a lot of people have started to utilize uh, professional social pages more over the last two plus years, specifically uh, surrounding the pandemic than they had in the past. Uh, okay. I think people really now recognize that their brand matters uh, and 
I think for, for me, uh, when it comes to individuals that are uh, searching for a new role at a different organization that they really uh, put themselves forward. They, they really focus on what their needs are. I think this past two plus years have taught us <laughs> that the talent pool is vast, uh, but it also has taught us that remote work is here to stay. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of organizations are struggling with trying to figure out whether they do a remote work strategy or a hybrid strategy and things of that aspect yeah. uh, and come back to the space of understanding how much total square feet do I actually need as well as real estate for an office for uh, <laughs> individuals to be you know, successful or for individuals to come to the office. I think that old school mentality of out of sight, out of mind is out of the window now. Uh, we, in the organization that I currently work for, had a struggle uh, with telework uh, pre-pandemic. So we only did telework. We allowed folks to telework for two days a week, but we were well positioned when the pandemic started that we were able to shift to fully uh, remote work. And I think that we set ourselves ahead of the curve uh, in, in that aspect. Also, although there was some pushback, of course, uh, again, the whole out of set, out of mind, uh, you know, kind of uh, thing came in there. But what we also realized that there was a lot of dead time that individuals were having. So you think water cooler talk, you think chatting it up when they're getting a cup of coffee or tea in the cafe or something of that aspect. So when you times that times five people or 10 people, you, you, you've lost a lot of productivity. Uh, right. When individuals are working remotely from their homes, I feel, uh, especially for my team, that they have been more focused uh, on their work. They've been more dedicated to doing their jobs. Not to say that there weren't previously, but what I'm saying is that they don't have that hour and a half or two hour commute time. So they can dedicate uh, right. to actually focusing uh, on the work. And uninterrupted. Uninterrupted, correct. Yeah, so that's now you may have to go walk the dog, you may have to go <laughs> fold the laundry, something of that aspect, but uninterrupted, <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, well, before we move on to the next topic then, some quick, some rapid fire answers, yay or nay, yes or no. Are they doing it right or are they doing it wrong? All right, so LinkedIn, should they or should they not connect with the hiring authorities in advance? If you are scoping out a business, if you are doing the stealth stalk and you can search profiles and find out mm -hmm. who the right people are, mm -hmm. should they connect with you on LinkedIn? Yes or no? Absolutely, yes. Really? Yes. Elaborate. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I think that uh, they, the answer yes is because uh, it puts you into a space where you can actually feel out that individual before you start the process. So if you're thinking about an organization, so one example would be this. Uh, if you're thinking about joining a specific organization because of their mission, because of their values, because mm -hmm. of their culture, yes. You know them in your network. Yes. You, you, they need to be in your network. You may not know them personally, mm -hmm. uh, but you can start that conversation from there. I, I think that connections are just that. 
They are connections in yeah. the space of you being able to reach out to individuals that you either have not known or wish to get to know. So absolutely reach out. There would not be uh, an issue or even a conflict with doing that. That is good to know because I agree that you should follow them if there's mm-hmm. a follow option. And if you do reach out and connect, I would suggest staying quiet only because people don't want to be harassed. So the, so the same way hiring authorities stopped putting their contact information and job descriptions, not putting a point, you know, not listing a point person, people don't want to be harassed. Mm-hmm. And in this case, now we have quick and immediate access through LinkedIn. And so that can backfire. So I do suggest following, definitely suggest, I will suggest along, alongside you connecting with them if you stay quiet. Yes. Because now that you're connected, they will at least see what you post. Correct. So you will still be putting yourself out there. You'll still be in their face and you can, you know, do these think pieces. You uh-huh. can, you know, post the right content that lets them see what you're about, see, you know, see where you stand on an issue, a perspective. So yes, I can, I can agree with that, but do not harass them or <laughs> And then it goes back to also building your brand. So this, at least this all pieces into that. Okay, perfect. Okay, one more LinkedIn question. We see the job announcement on LinkedIn. Do we apply using LinkedIn's interface or do we apply using the organization's interface? I would recommend that you apply using the organization's uh, interface. Uh, And more often than not, uh, the easy apply uh, linked on LinkedIn does not transfer all of the information that you want to convey to an employer. Uh, okay. It allows you at times to attach your resume or your CV, uh, but it doesn't uh, provide you potentially an option to sell yourself uh, with your cover lever uh, or something of, of that aspect. So I would recommend if there is an option of applying on the organization's uh, applicant tracking system to do it that way. Perfect. Thank you for that. I also hear that anywhere from 70 to 80% of the job opportunities within an organization are not posted, not on their website, not on LinkedIn. Any truth to that? And can you elaborate? There is some truth. to that, I would not go as high as 70 to 80 percent, but okay. I would typically <laughs> say you're looking at the middle or the median or where where 45 to 50 uh, percent. Okay. Uh, and what happens uh, is this: it depends on the level of the role. Uh, a lot of times, organizations that are looking for you know senior leadership, executive team members, things of that aspect, will utilize uh, a search firm. Uh, a placement firm, if you will. And those organizations will uh, reach out and find the talent that the the company is seeking. Uh, That's the majority of the time where you would see uh, roles uh, in that aspect. But if you're looking for a entry level or junior member of your team, you will potentially see those roles posted. Uh, on that organization's uh, website. Uh, I I think transparency uh, matters. Uh, However, you also have to realize that in a very structured or highly uh, visible role, 
-hmm. a lot of organizations do not want uh, other organizations or companies to know that they have a senior level individual that is departing, whether it's a retirement, whether it is a forced, uh, whether we force them or manage them out uh, or something of that aspect. So there is a, it's a double-edged sword, uh, if you will, uh, but it all goes back to the culture of the organization or the company that's actually doing the hiring. Okay, that was a gem right there. So for senior level professionals mm -hmm. wanting to make, wanting to reach out to that organization, what's the best approach then? Is it to align with an executive firm who's probably gonna do that work for them? because mm -hmm. they have the relationship with the organizations or is there something they can do in the way of, like we said, establishing that connection on LinkedIn and starting some conversations about the opportunities that might exist? I think it's both. Um, I really feel that if you're an active job seeker, uh, that you use every avenue, every street that's available uh, mm -hmm. to you in an effort to find that right role for you or your next role uh, for, for you. Um, when I say it's both, both meaning you establish yourself with a firm or firms that are executive search firms uh, mm -hmm. so you can sell yourself to them. Uh, that means that the organizations that come to them to seek talent uh, they will have an understanding of what that looks like for that individual or what it looks like for that person. Uh, they would then know, they being the search firm or the placement firm will know what a good fit looks like for you because you've mm -hmm. actually had those candid conversations with them to say, this is what I'm seeking. These are my needs. These are my wants. Mm -hmm. So you start with your needs and then you go to your wants. Uh, needs would be A, B, and C. My wants could be something that's pie in the sky, wish list uh, kind of a thing, if, if you mm -hmm. will. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think when I say both, it, it is exactly that. You do you 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 actually look at every avenue and every uh, street that's open. Okay. All right. So very quickly, just some things, some tips that you can provide, some myths that you can debunk. Um, I asked this question because I had a conversation recently with a friend of mine who does hiring for the IRS. And these were two very good points that she made about the tell me about yourself question and you know those scenario-based questions. Tell me about a time X, Y, and Z, how to navigate those. I felt like I've been answering the tell me about yourself question wrong for all these years <laughs> so i would hear i would like to hear your perspective and then i'll chime in and share what i feel like i learned from that conversation what i will say is that i think behavioral based questions are things that are went away with the dinosaur i i really don't feel that they give you a clue into who the person is and what that person will bring to you or your team or the organization as a whole. Because what's going to happen is this, that individual is going to tell you what they think you want to hear versus who they actually are. So when I said, bring your whole self, your true authentic self to the interviews, to the meetings and things of that aspect, that's reality. Uh, I'll leave it there. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I can see where you wanted to say more. And I know why. I know why. Because sometimes you can't bring your authentic self because yeah. that might mean you don't get this opportunity. And Correct. we are used to selling ourselves in a way that lands us the job. Correct. Right. And then Correct. deciding if we can show up and be our authentic self when we get there of, or some of version course. of it. <laughs> of, of course. And I think and I don't want to pull race into this, but uh, people of color have always struggled with being yeah. seen. And <laughs> I think that is one of the hiccups that we have uh, with this entire talent pool uh, uh, dynamic that, that's going on now. So when I say bring your true authentic self, I truly mean that be you, uh, because okay. if you can't be you with the people that you spend the majority of your time with, the folks that you work with, let's be realistic. Yeah. You spend mm -hmm. the majority of your time with those individuals. Outside of your home life and things of that aspect, work is primarily at the forefront. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then if you are a jokester, then you should joke around. There should be some humor. There should be Casual, a, a level of humor. Uh, there, okay. but you have to be able to know your audience, read your room. So yes. <laughs> you can't do colorful uh, jokes and things of that aspect in, in the process. Let's just be realistic. Uh, yeah. But read your room, know your audience, and it goes back to your research. If you are able to research and know that the person that you're meeting with loves baseball, then do some baseball jargon. Come on, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's a quick fix. That is yeah. low hanging fruit, easy uh, thing to do uh, when it comes to that aspect. And it's not you not being genuine, it's you being genuine to that person at that particular point. Yes, know your audience. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, this has been a great conversation. I think I have gone through all the things that I wanted to point out specifically. Is there anything that you would like to add to the conversation before we go? Any walk, anything, any great takeaways, anything you want to share with the people? I think that uh, individuals need to truly understand that uh, going back to the space of it's a two-way uh, street uh, when it comes to employee versus employer. Uh, find out what that organization does, what it means to them but also what it means to you. For me, I'm big, a big proponent on mission and value. Uh, and when you find an organization or a company that aligns with your vision, your core values, you can indeed be successful uh, moving forward in that particular space. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate this conversation. And um, I'm going to let you get back to your week. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Love to have you again, if you're willing. Absolutely. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wasn't that a great conversation? I knew it would be. Just real talk, candor, just a wealth of information and practical knowledge, great advice all rolled into one engaging conversation with my friend, Tony Butler Sims. You can follow and connect with Tony and his work on the Forbes HR Council, which also has links to his published articles. And you can follow and connect with him on LinkedIn and on the CNFA website. I'll include those links in the episode notes. 
So this is a great place to leave you with some key takeaways that I heard and I want you to carry into your weekends. Take a second look at those LinkedIn profiles this weekend in preparation for the week ahead. Also, do a quick search of your name and see what your social media activity reveals about you. You might want to take that pause I mentioned or <laughs> or at least start removing any unsavory unsavory content, okay? Any colorful content, <laughs> anything questionable, you want to go ahead and remove that because really that information does populate in your search results. So we see how the It's Me approach is very fitting for the traditional job hunt with this conversation, right? We could hear it in Tony's suggestion to present your true, authentic self to an organization and to making sure that your desires and the company's mission are in alignment. You even got the green light, which I was not expecting. I mean, you know, to some extent, but he gave you the green light for reaching out and connecting with leadership and the hiring authorities on LinkedIn. So there's where you can start the It's Me approach right there. You send that request to connect and you include a message introducing yourself and why you're connecting. In fact, you are really introducing yourself uh, <laughs> to the world. Really, like I said, that LinkedIn profile is usually one of the first things to populate in search engine results when people search your name. And the LinkedIn profile and that LinkedIn headline is also included. Your name, your current job title, and your headline. All those things are included in your search engine results when it pulls up that LinkedIn profile. So yes, you should definitely consider those first few sections of your LinkedIn headline as your introduction, your introduction to the world and as the first presentation of your professional brand. Next, you can start working and posting publicly to represent your brand. Your original posts and your shared content will point to your core values. And they might actually give potential employers some insight to, you know, put a spotlight on some things from your posts and justification to why you do what you do. Your T, that's, you know, that's your T, your truth. Next, you want to start working and posting publicly to start representing that professional brand. So your original posts and your content that you share, those things are going to point to your core values and they're going to actually give a lot of insight into you and your level of professionalism. It's going to put a spotlight on, you know, the things from your past that maybe provide some type of explanation or justification into why you do the work that you do. Okay. So that's, that's the T. Your truth, your posts, your comments are going to point to those truths, those that history, um, those things about your past that that explain the work you do today. It'll also put a spotlight on your values, along with the values of the other organizations and influencers that you follow and how they impact your work. So be careful of what you like and follow, as I was saying in my conversation with Tony, because now you're sharing your truth without even realizing it sometimes. You're giving a lot, you're, you know, that information is very telling. You're also sharing what brought you to becoming and offering the solution and the skills that you now offer. 
That's your S. So as you engage with these connections, now you have the opportunity to present your skills or why your very specialized skill set is the solution to their problem, you know, to that need, the posting that they are now announcing. So combined, they are why you do the work that you do now and the work that you intend to do in the future. So from there, you can post, you can comment, um, you can highlight you know, in those posts and comments, how you're mastering your craft, you know, you can actually showcase your expertise in those posts and comments, just like the freelancer that um, we talked about in episode 13, I think that was always be selling. (laughs) So using LinkedIn, every post, every comment is an opportunity to creatively weave your mastery and your expertise into those posts and comments, all right? So as you overhaul your LinkedIn profile this weekend, how can you introduce yourself in the headline? What can you do to populate the It's Me approach in your about section, right? Two very, two essential areas of the LinkedIn profile when you're optimizing this LinkedIn profile. Think about that headline. Think about that about section, because even if it's just, you know, bulleted points that you pull from all the areas of the It's Me acronym versus a structured paragraph, that It's Me approach can help you populate all the areas of your LinkedIn LinkedIn profile. And then you're going to let that information transfer to your resume and to your cover letter as well, because that, you know, While that easy apply is very appealing, just like Tony was saying, it doesn't really offer you the opportunity to sell yourself as well as the organization's ATS system will, their their application tracking system. There won't be an opportunity, perhaps, to upload the cover letter. Um, There won't be an opportunity to upload any, any media or, you know, any other work samples that you might be able to, to provide in the, in the application tracking system. All right. So have a great weekend, everyone. I'll be looking forward to incoming questions. I haven't gotten an opportunity to go through any questions yet. One favor before we go, please follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and also LinkedIn. That is really where I do most of my work. LinkedIn is my happy medium. I need to talk about that on a future episode when I talk about my happy medium. I'll share that. I really do need to grow my um, my online presence, though, to grow my following, though, because although I've been successful being a consultant for, you know, for all these years, for more than 15 years now, that work has always been referral based, word of mouth kind of work. So in this digital space, followers also really signal, you know, credibility. They really are a form of credentials, being a credentialed expert. So please follow me on Instagram and also TikTok, but LinkedIn for sure. All right. Help me grow my online presence because that's really important to me right now. Special thanks again to Tony Butler Sims. Be sure to look for his information in the episode notes. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.